Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Here in a little bit. Uh, I want us to get in, get in the Word tonight. Uh, we're... we're Almost to to uh, wind up our tabernacle uh, teaching or series or whatever you want to call it, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the altar of incense, the altar of incense. Uh, and th- this this uh, this part tonight's really really special to me because I, I guess it's just always been uh, a place that I've I've just really enjoyed looking at it but uh, we'll, we're going to be uh, coming out of the book of Exodus uh, chapter 30 verses 1 through 10 uh, but while you're turning there Anybody in here know a, a place, uh, a very uh, familiar place in the New Testament where the altar of incense is referred to? It's a very popular story in the New Testament that the altar of incense is referred to. I was going to give, ma'am. No, I was going to give a, a large reward for the one that could get it, but you missed it, so it's too late now. Uh, the story, the story in the New Testament where you you see the altar of incense referred to, is found in um, in the book of Luke chapter 1 uh, verses 9 through 11 man by the name of Zacharias uh, John the Baptist dad uh, and Elizabeth you remember the story Uh, Zacharias was a priest and he was in the temple uh, doing his priestly duties and his responsibility uh, that particular day was to uh, to put incense or fire uh, on the altar of incense to burn incense on the altar of incense, and it was while he was in the process of doing that that an angel of the Lord appeared to him and announced the birth uh, of John the Baptist. And you know the story that Zacharias didn't really believe it, and so he was unable to speak uh, for a for a period of time. But anyway, the result of that was John the Baptist was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth, who was barren, and 
God spoke to Zacharias in that while he was at the altar of incense and said, Zacharias, God has heard your prayers. He's heard your prayers. And uh, if you look in Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 9, it says that he was, he was doing according to the custom of the priest office in his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And also notice in verse 10 that while Zacharias was going in, now remember where the altar of incense is. It's not outside where everybody can see it. It's on the inside of uh, the holy place. And so you go in, and the, the only light there is the light from the menorah or the the golden candlestick, and uh, and then you got the table of showbread, and then right in front of you, when you walk through, is at the end of the holy place, uh, is the altar of incense, and the altar of incense sets right next to the veil that that partitioned off the holy place from the holy of holies. And so uh, Zacharias was, was there doing his priestly duties, but the Bible says that the people were outside praying and offering prayers to God during this time. And that, that was a customary thing that when the priest was in there uh, burning incense and offering prayers up to God, the people would be out uh, praying and Verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard. And I think that's, that's a good launching place for what we're going to talk about tonight. Thy prayer is heard. Uh, go, go to uh, the book of Exodus now if you're not already there. And we're going we're gonna to look at verse 30, or chapter 30, I'm sorry. And uh, we'll begin talking about this, uh, this altar of incense. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but I, I'm just kind of, uh, giving you some some background on this altar of incense uh, is is a picture or a symbol of prayer and worship that takes place before the presence of God. Guys, I want to tell you tonight that that the most important thing that you can do as a Christian is prayer is pray or have established a prayer life. And I know that if I were to, to go come to you tonight and say, hey, stand up and, and pray. If I were to do that to, to some of you, you would, you would crawl under the chair. You would get all up in that little rack that's under your chair and, and hide because you're not comfortable in praying. And especially you're not comfortable in praying in the public out loud. 
If I were to ask you tonight how long you spend in prayer uh, on an average basis, uh, how long would that be? Some of you might say, well, Pastor, I pray for uh, two minutes and I start repeating myself. Or I pray for five minutes and I prayed for everybody in the brotherhood and I don't know nobody else to pray for. I've said everything that I know to say and, and I don't know what else to say. And so uh, two minutes, five minutes is a limit for my prayer time because I just don't know how to pray. Let me ask you this, and, and I'm not being condescending or anything like that, but when you were a baby and you began to learn how to talk, if you had only learned how to say mama, and that was the only word that you ever spoke out of your mouth, and you never said anything else but mama, and you grew up and you became an adult and all you knew how to say was mama, you would, you would be considered as one who is limited in their vocabulary because of the way that you were taught or the way that you were raised. The reason that we don't know how to pray and that we're not comfortable in praying, I believe, is not because we're not comfortable in front of people and it's not because uh, we run out of things to pray. I think it's a lack of practice. Okay. If you want to get good at something, you practice. The athlete that wants to get good at a certain sport practices that sport. The boxer who wants to become a professional or a champion, he is not born, he is not he does not become a champion in the ring. He his championship qualities and uh, abilities are born outside of the ring in the private time of training and exercising. So any kind of sports figure, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you want to be a carpenter and you want to be good at your trade, you don't go and say, well, I'm going to build a house so I can learn how to be a carpenter. I hope you don't. But you, you learn by doing small things. You learn by doing small things on a consistent basis. And, and guys, I want you to know tonight that the most life-giving thing, the most powerful thing that you can do in your walk with God is practice in your prayer life. If you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of that language of heaven that God's given you and you have a prayer language one of the most powerful things that you can do is pray in the Spirit. Learn, Practice praying in the Spirit. Jude 24 says, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That is, a, that is something that will bring life to you. It will empower you. It will strengthen your mind, your spirit. And guys, I want you to know that, that uh, when we fail to pray, we're failing to fulfill the things that God wants us to do. There are things in our lives and there are things in our community and there's things in our family that will not happen until we pray. And there are things in your life that no doubt probably that you've been struggling with and you've been battling with 
See, what happens a lot of times is we become Christians and, and we, we begin to operate in the, the uh, confines of what we were taught to, uh, on how to become a Christian. For example, the church that you grew up in, they taught you basically how to become a Christian. And, and so we know how to become a Christian, but we haven't learned how to grow as a Christian. And, and this is not a Pentecostal or Charismatic or a Baptist or a Methodist thing. This is a God thing. And the most important thing that I can do in my life is pray. You, I don't know about you, but if a preacher or a teacher gets up in front of me and begins to teach or begins to preach, it doesn't take me but about five minutes to, uh, to realize or to recognize this man's got a prayer life or this man has not prayed because it, 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 is, it makes the difference. And so prayer is the key. If you want to see mountains move, learn how to pray. Get in your prayer closet. Walk around in your living room at your house. Learn how to pray. Learn how to vocalize your desire and learn how to vocalize a conversation with God. And understand this, and I'm going to move on. Prayer is not all about what you're saying. It's not all about what you're saying to God. Prayer is about also what God is saying to you. All right? It's a two-way conversation. So learn how to pray, but learn how to listen. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 uh, and verse 34, and I'm going to get to Exodus. Just hold on, and uh, I promise I'm going to get there. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, Jesus said this. This is red letter words. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Notice what he said. He wasn't talking to a bunch of Pharisees. He wasn't talking to a bunch of Sadducees. He was talking to his disciples he was talking to those that were following him, and he said, Guys, take heed. Be careful that your heart is not overwhelmed or overcome by surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that word surfeiting and drunkenness simply means uh, don't get caught up in, in, in the the, the things of, of the culture. Don't get caught up. Don't let your heart get overwhelmed and overcharged with all these things in our culture so that the day, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And he's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about the second coming. He's talking about when he comes back the second time. And he's telling those that are following him, he's saying, guys, don't let your heart get overwhelmed. Don't let your heart get distracted and detoured by all the things that goes on in the culture, the drunkenness, the partying, uh, and, and the revelry and all that. Don't get caught doing that, he said, because uh, the day of the Lord uh, is going to be as a snare that's going to come on all that dwell on the face of the earth. But notice what he said in verse 36. 
He said, watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, now we're going to talk a little bit more on down about this praying always, all right? Some of you probably said, well, man, don't he know that I have to work? Don't he know that I have to cook and clean the house and, and all that and take out the garbage? How am I going to pray always? We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 1, we're going to start there. I think it's so amazing and so awesome and so beautiful and so magnificent that God, uh, all the way from the beginning, established this thing of communicating with Him through prayer. I think that's the most beautiful thing that you can imagine, that God didn't say, I'm going to tell you what to do. You do it. Don't ask no questions. And, and if you don't do it, I'm going to smoke you up. All right? But God gave us the opportunity because He's a loving Father. He looked at me and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my word. I'm going to give you uh, directions on what to do. But I'm also going to give you access that you can come to me anytime you want to. 24 hours a day, eight days a week, you can come to me and you can pray. You can ask me and it will be given. You can seek me and you will find when you knock on my door, I will be there to open you, says the king of the universe. That's pretty awesome. As a matter of fact, I could just, I could do a little, little white boy's jig right there because that just, that, that thrills me to know that God has established and he set things out for us, guys. And I really believe that God wants to bring revival and I believe he wants to bring an awakening and I believe he wants to bring resurrection in your life and my life. But I also believe that God is saying when you begin to pray, when you begin to seek me, and you begin to ask me, then you're going to see me move. Amen? Everybody to the Exodus chapter 30, y'all ready to get to Exodus chapter 30? <laughs> Exodus chapter 30 and verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of Shuttam wood, shalt thou make it. I want to stop right there and tell you that this, this Shuttam wood or Shuttam wood, whatever how you want to refer to it, uh, is is a is a a picture of humanity. This wood represents humanity. Okay, now notice on down. He said, "A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Uh, four squares shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same." Now, a cubit was about eighteen inches, and so. Uh, According to that, the uh, altar of incense was about 18 inches square and about 36 inches tall. And he said, And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Now remember, if the wood was humanity, the gold represents the beauty of God. Huh. Y'all didn't get that, did you? 
God said, I'm going to overlay humanity with the beauty of who I am. In other words, I'm going to overlay you with my beauty. I'm going to overlay that wood with gold. All right? And he said, and the top thereof, the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And this crown of gold around the top of this altar of incense represents kingly uh, royalty, the kingship of God, the kingship of Christ. Two golden rings <clears throat> shalt thou make to it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof upon the two sides of it uh, shalt thou make it and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it with. And thou shalt make the staves of Shittim wood and overlay them with gold and uh, thou shalt put it uh, before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with thee. Notice something there that God didn't say to Moses, um, make this altar, I want it to be 18 inches square, 36 inches tall, I'm going to overlay it with gold, I'm going to put two rings on the side of it and some staves so that you can tote it with. Uh, when you make it, just put it somewhere in the holy place. Because God is not a haphazard God. God has got line upon line, precept upon precept. There's a method. Catch this. There's a method to getting into the presence of God. <clears throat> you might, <clears throat> listen, you might bump into God when you were lost and on your way to hell and you bumped into God, you thought. Maybe you were on the street and you bumped into somebody that gave you a track and you thought that was coincidence. But I want to tell you something about the blessing and the anointing of God. You don't bump into the anointing. You don't bump into the presence. You seek the presence of God. <clears throat> You're intentional about getting into the presence of God. You're intentional about the anointing that God wants to use in your life. All right? And so God said to Moses, he said, when you get this thing built, <clears throat> he said, I want you to put it in a specific place. I want you to put it uh, by the ark of the testimony, uh, before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. So in, a, in other words, this, this altar of incense sets right here. The veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies is right here. So right on the other side of that veil is the ark of God's presence, the ark of testimony. It's the place where the mercy seat is. It is the place where the glory of God comes in. It is, listen, out here in the holy place, you got this, this, uh, this menorah, this golden candlestick that's furnishing light. But when you go behind, when that priest would go behind the veil, there is no light there. The only light that you have there is the Shekinah glory of God when the priest put the blood on the horns of the altar on the mercy seat, the glory of God would come down and the glory would illuminate the place. 
So, so what I'm saying is, here is this altar of incense, this place that represents prayer, this place that represents worship. And just a few feet, a few inches away is the glory, the presence of God. Pretty cool. On on down in, in verse thirty, uh, I'm sorry, verse seven. Aaron shall burn their own sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps. He shall burn incense upon it. And what he means by that is every morning uh, the priests would come in and they would they would trim the lamps on the golden lampstand the golden candlestick and God said when you do that I also want you uh, to burn incense and put incense on the altar of incense every morning every day and when Aaron lights the lamps at evening he shall burn incense upon it now listen to this in verse 8 a, perpet a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. In other words, what God was saying was, Moses, don't ever let the fire go out on this altar. It is to be a perpetual smoke aroma of incense that is rising up before me. A lot of historians uh, said that because the altar was placed in the in the specific area that it was placed, that the 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 aroma of the incense would rise up and go up to the top of the uh, uh, tabernacle and drift over and come down in uh, the holy of holies uh, on the mercy seat of God, and and God. Uh, God would move there. And so he said, uh, at evening you shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Verse 9, he said, you shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour a drink offering upon it. Listen. To paraphrase, what I believe that God was saying there is this. This altar of incense is not for burnt offerings. It's not for sacrificing. It's not for anything else but incense. Why? Because the sacrifice, the death of the animal took place outside at the brazen altar. Death is supposed to have already taken place before you get to the altar of incense. You understand what I'm saying? See, we're talking about process. The process is I enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. I come to the brazen altar, which is the place of sacrifice, is the place of death representing the death of Christ, uh, also representing my death. 
I leave that brazen altar and I go to this uh, bronze laver where uh, the priest would wash and cleanse themselves before going into the holy place. Listen, when you go into the holy place, you're supposed to already be dead. God said, don't come to this incense altar and want to uh, offer a sacrifice, uh, a blood sacrifice. That should have taken place back yonder. There's a lot, there's a lot in that, guys. There's a lot in that. I, I, I see people all the time that are wondering, God, where are you when I need you? God, I don't understand why you're not answering my prayers. And, and I want to look at them and say, hey, it's because you didn't die back yonder. It's because you're still living and God said, I'm not looking for somebody that's living. I'm looking for somebody that has died back here at the brazen altar and has sanctified themselves at the bronze laver and has come into the holy place and recognizes the authority of the light that's being uh, illuminating their lives and it's understanding the power of the bread of life that's there. And, and when they approach this altar of incense, there's nothing left in me. Everything is has already been divested out of me. My mind is clean. My hands are pure. And, and when I come before this altar of incense, I'm standing there and I'm empty before God. I'm like Jesus. I, 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 I divested myself of everything. I laid all of my thoughts down and I laid all of my attitudes down and, and I quit my cussing back yonder and, and I quit my drinking back there and I, I quit my partying back there and, and I quit quit looking at other women back there and, and all that stuff. I left it out there because when I get in here, it is about the presence of God. It is about that I am moving toward the presence and the glory of God. And if I don't die before I get there, then it will nullify and void everything that I want God to do. You see, the brazen altar out there represents the putting away of, of the old man, the dying of the old man and the destruction of our sin. That is what, listen, if you miss that, then, then you're going to find yourself getting bogged down in the rest of it. All right? And I want to tell you tonight, I, I, you know, this carnality thing, this thing about the flesh, this thing about feeding the flesh and, and pacifying the flesh and, and pampering the flesh, uh, you know, the American church in a lot of ways is so spoiled because we, we think God is supposed to cater to us. I was, I was talking with uh, Apostle uh Zahiri, uh, several a uh, few weeks ago, and and we were talking about, it and I asked him. I said, you know, uh, I know where you are in in West Africa, uh, in Nigeria. I said, are do you guys experience? And I might have said this one time before. If I have, just say peace, brother. Uh, but uh, but I, I I was asking him. I said, you know, I know I've been been reading and. Uh, that there's a lot of persecution and, and hundreds of people have been killed in northern Nigeria. 
by extremism and extreme, uh, extremist uh, Islamic is extremist and and so and I was asking him I said you know has that affected the area that you're in and he said no he said we're in the western part of Nigeria and that takes place in the northern part of Nigeria he said but I I know some uh, that have experienced the persecution and he said but here's the thing pastor he said we're not afraid of persecution we're not afraid of opposition. He said, we're not afraid to give our lives. He said, because we have so sold out to Jesus, because we love Jesus so much. He said, he said the people over there have not been contaminated by the materialism uh, in America, and they've not been contaminated by all, the, all the, the good stuff and all that. And he said, all those people have got is Jesus. And he said that is the reason that they're willing to lay their life down because Jesus has meant so much to them and Jesus has done so much for them and so the persecution doesn't bother. You see, when we deal with ourselves and, and, and I'll say my biggest problem is not somebody else. My biggest problem is not my boss. My biggest problem is me. Because I, 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 I spend a good bit of time dealing with me. All right? And so at that brazen altar is the place where I have to deal with who I am. And I'm supposed to deal with my flesh. And that's the reason... That, that when I do that back here, it opens the way. You remember what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If I have dealt with myself back here, I can approach the altar of incense with boldness. How many of you remember when you were when you were children? And you could go to daddy or you could go to mama. And if you had done your chores, and if you hadn't been rebellious. You could go and say, Dad, can I get a soda pop? Dad, can I get a, 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 a sucker? Dad would say, yeah, yeah, I'll get you one. And you, 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 you knew that you had done everything they had wanted you to do. You knew you'd had been, you had been a good little boy, a good little girl, and you knew that you didn't have to back up. You could just step there and say, I took the garbage out, I, I cleaned the house, I washed the dishes, I did that, can I have a sucker? And you did it boldly. But when you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you kind of back say, Dad, can I have a quarter? You 
You see, the only way that I can boldly, boldly come before God is to know that I have been obedient to his word. It's not about me being perfect. It's not about me being self-righteous. It's not about me being better than somebody else. But it's about me doing everything that I can do to be obedient to the word of God and I can come boldly before the throne of grace that I might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, build this altar of incense. Build this altar. So, let's look at the, the incense. In Exodus chapter 30 uh, and verse 34, let's read there. The Lord said to Moses, take unto thee sweet spices, stacked Onicha and Galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be a like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary. The apothecary was simply a perfumer, somebody that, that made, put these spices together and made the perfume. After the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with you, it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. So what is God saying there? God is saying, gave, he gives them specific instructions on how to, uh, to establish this incense or this perfume. Tells them exactly what kind of uh, minerals to get, how to do it, temper it together, beat it up, grind it up, into a small uh, pieces and and uh, and then he said uh, don't don't consider taking this that I'm telling you about and using it like you do Stetson Think about it. This concoction that I'm telling you, showing you how to put together and how to fix, <clears throat> this ain't beautiful perfume. My wife wears beautiful, so I know all about beautiful. And I know how much it costs and, and all that. And, but God said, 
this is not perfume for you. He said, and, and I want to take it a step farther. He said, if this is used in any other way <clears throat> than what I have deemed it to be used, he said, those that do that will be cut off. He said, if anybody outside thinks that they're going to get the recipe and begin to produce this and make money off of it or something like that, he said, they will be cut off from the people. Now listen, we don't have time to go into that, but I just want to give you just a, just a paraphrase of it, of, of the importance there, because understand what this incense does. And understand what this incense represents. If you study this, each one of these ingredients <clears throat> has something to do that represents Christ. This, this incense is a picture or a symbol of Christ. Every aspect of it has got something to do that represents Christ. But now understand this. Understand what it does. It causes a sweet smell, a sweet aroma to ascend up toward heaven and mix in the nostrils of God that when he smells that, he says, I am satisfied with that prayer that's taking place at that altar. He said, I am satisfied with the worship that's going on down there. So when we put it all together and we mix all the ingredients together and we take it to the apothecary and he mixes it and, and creates this beautiful smell. Man, I, I can't imagine I, the smell that that must have been. But, but then they take it and, they, and they, the priest goes and he puts it on the altar and the smoke and the aroma goes up and God looks down and says, oh, yes. Oh, I, I, I smell. You see, we think, we think a lot about God and we say that God is listening to our worship. God is hearing us when we're worshiping. But I believe it's a lot more than that. I believe God says, do you smell that worship that's coming out of McCullough Christian Center? Do you smell that aroma of worship that's coming out of Sister Sarah Adams' living room on, on Monday morning when she's there praying? Do you, do you smell that aroma? Because it is a sweet-smelling aroma that goes up and reaches the nostrils of God. So the Bible says in the book of Revelation, oh my goodness, I'm running out of time. In the book of Revelation chapter 8, John the Revelator said this, when, when the angels were, were pouring out the vials, uh, he said, I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, and another angel came and stood at the altar 
having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So John said this. He said, I saw a golden altar of incense that stood before the throne of God. Now remember, the tabernacle of the in the wilderness, you had the altar here, and then you had right behind the, the curtain was the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat where God would come down. But remember, we're talking, this is just, this was established and built from the pattern of heaven. John said, he said, when, what I saw didn't have a veil. What I saw didn't have the mercy seat. What I saw was a golden altar that stood right in front of the throne of God because it was in heaven. You think about that. All right, we're going to move on. He said, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up <clears throat> before God out of the angel's hand. Here's the way I picture that. Is the prayers of the saints when we pray. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that, <clears throat> that our prayers are gathered up. Not one prayer, I believe, prayed in faith is forgotten. God remembers our prayers, and he gathers our prayers and stores them. But here's the thing about when we pray, <clears throat> we see that picture in here in the book of Revelation <clears throat> that the smoke, verse 4 of chapter 8, the smoke of the incense... <clears throat> which came with the prayers of the saints. So there was a smoke of incense that was mixed in with the prayers of the saints. Now what is that saying? If the incense represents Christ and the smoke of the incense was mixed in with the prayers of the saints, what that is saying is this, that when the saints of God began to pray, and the angel took this incense and mixed it in with those prayers that they came up before the throne of the Father. The Father looks at the prayers and he sees that they're coming from humanity on earth. They're coming from men and women and saints of God on the earth. And maybe if it had just <clears throat> been like that, he might have not paid much attention to it. But because the prayers of the saints was mixed with the smell and the aroma of the perfume which represents his son, Jesus, the Christ, he says, aha, I accept that. I accept those prayers. That's pretty neat, I think.
David said in Psalm 141, in verse 1, he said, Lord, I cry unto you, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. Right now, God, Jesus, is making intercession for you and I. Right now. And here's, here's the thing. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, and I'm going to let you go. I know you're getting sleepy. I'm going to let you go. <clears throat> but in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, <clears throat> after <clears throat> Paul has laid out this, put on the whole armor of God, and after he's told uh, the, the church at Ephesus uh, to <clears throat> gird yourself about, the loins with the belt of truth and, and the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and, and, and the shield of faith and all that. After Paul has said, armor yourself up, armor yourself up and put on the whole armor of God, he then said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, praying always, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, <clears throat> I said that to say this. If Jesus is always making intercession for me, if he is always standing there interceding, and that word intercession means stepping in between me and judgment, me and hell, me and, 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 and destruction, me and the Father. Jesus is always standing in the middle for me. He is working on my behalf. If he is always doing that, then that lets me know <clears throat> that I don't need to short myself by not praying. That's the reason that Paul said praying always with all prayer and supplication. Because when I learn how to pray always, when I learn how to pray without ceasing, then Jesus is mixing my prayers with that incense interceding for me around the throne of grace. So, when we, when we talk about praying always, and I'm fixing to close, I promise, I'm, I see the runway. I'm going to land, Brother Kim. When we talk about praying always, that doesn't mean that you're always walking around saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I love you so much. I just thank you. That's good if you want to do that. But the, the thing about prayer is that prayer is something that's on the inside. God doesn't have to hear your voice.
God doesn't God doesn't listen for your voice. He listens for your heart. And so when we talk about praying always, it's, 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 he's talking about walking in a state of prayer. He's walking with a mind of prayer. That, that when I look at somebody, I'm praying. When I, when, I, when I face a situation, I'm praying. I'm not, I'm, I'm working, I'm at work, <clears throat> I'm typing up a paper, uh, I'm, I'm doing this or doing that, but I'm praying. Why? Because my spirit is so conditioned that it's constantly leaning toward God. It's constantly crying out to God. Do you understand? See, the power of, of standing at that altar of incense where the, the aroma raises up to heaven, I believe it's important. I believe it's a necessity for us to take time to get before God. I believe it's a necessity for every powerful Christian to stand before God. I like... Uh, A.W. Tozer, uh, one of my favorite quotes from A.W. Tozer is this, and he was talking to uh, pastors and preachers, and he said this. He said, it's extremely important for a pastor to stand before God at least the same amount of time that he stands before people. So if you want to be a witness if you want to be a light for Jesus, if you if you want your life to make a difference, stand before God as much as you stand before people. And I can assure you that God will stand up for you. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> This that we've talked about tonight, <clears throat> guys, is, is not something that, that I can invite you up here to the altar and lay hands on you, and, and it begins to happen. This is, one of those, this is one of those things that <clears throat> becomes a responsibility coming from me. It is something that I discipline myself to spend time in prayer. It's not always easy, and I don't always do it right, but I have learned the power of praying, the power of prayer. And I've also learned that there are different ways of praying. All right, there are different ways. You can take the Word of God, and, and I told you this several weeks ago that I've been going through the book of Psalms and I've just been uh, reading through the book of Psalms and I read it out loud and I pray it. I pray the, I pray the book of Psalms and I'm, uh, I'm in uh, chapter 124 now, the book of Psalms, and I've been doing this for months. And, and every time I think I'm going to go ahead and get through with it, I go back and, and go back two or three chapters and read Read them again and come come again. But it's such a powerful thing just to take the Word of God and, and begin to 
Read the Word of God. Declare it out loud. Speak it out loud and over your life and over your situation. And now I've moved into the book of Romans, and I'm in Romans chapter 4 now, and doing that in conjunction with Psalm, and I'm reading that word out loud and declaring that word out loud. Listen, the word of God is powerful. All right? Amen?